everyone. Welcome to Name Drop San Diego, a podcast about the fascinating people in, around, and from San Diego. I'm your host, Christy Totten, and my guest today is Cody Hooven. Cody is the COO of San Diego Community Power, which just inked a big deal with San Diego County to purchase its power. Before Cody held this job, she was the Chief Sustainability Officer with the City of San Diego, where she led green initiatives and implemented the Climate Action Plan. In general, she's a problem solver, a champion of the environment, and a lover of outdoors. In this episode, we talk about what community choice aggregation even means, how to talk to family members who don't see eye to eye on climate change, and more. Here's our interview. Cody, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, to begin, I was I wanted to ask you to just give a short bio. Your name is definitely out there in the news. You're quoted often in the news, uh, specifically, you know, the organizations you've worked with. But what do you feel like it's is important to know about Cody Hooven? Oh, wow. Good question right off the bat. Um, <laughs> What to know about me? I think most people who know me um, know that I'm a really collaborative, kind of solutions-oriented person. You know, I don't shy away from hard work. I really like to get into sticky, complex issues and roll up my sleeves and try to help find solutions and and make some progress. Um, So that's probably what to know about me. I think I'm pretty open and transparent as a person, and I really value people and relationships. Um, So that's, you know, I I guess that kind of lends itself to the things that I do and how I go about approaching my work. I love that. I love that you answered with that perspective because most people are just like born here, do this job, but like, you know, really personality (laughs) characteristics. So um, with that in mind, I mean, what led you to this issue of sustainability? You know, how did this become your, your life's work? Oh gosh, that that I definitely uh, <laughs> meandered towards uh, sustainability and climate change. So I can give you the background. I, I am from California, I'm from the Bay Area. Um, I have some friends that like to say I'm, I'm from San Jose and the Bay Area, which is where people like to really get things done. Um, <laughs> um, and then I, I moved to Hawaii for a while for school and to kind of have fun a little bit in my early twenties and um, got into science because I really like the logic of science and how things make sense and have very tangible, measurable um, uh, outcomes and and metrics and data. Um, But then I quickly found after getting into science that I want to apply that science to do things, to to solve problems. I don't just want to keep measuring and and researching further and further. That's super important for that whole um, industry of people who do that, but it didn't really suit kind of my personality type. Um, so I really shifted from science where I was studying, you know, protected species and living in Hawaii and, you know, like working with sea turtles and what a, what a dream job. Uh, but really, I wanted to shift into applying that science to policy issues. Um, and that, that intersection of science and, and policy really attracted me. So then I came to San Diego and um, went to Scripps Institution of Oceanography. They had a, a new program um, that was really it, it was described kind of perfectly for me. It was that intersection of science and policy and how to communicate science to people that aren't scientists and how to really apply it to make um, you know, public policy changes. And that was me, That's my, that was my dream. Um, 
So getting to go to school at Scripps and really be enmeshed in one of the leading institutions studying climate change, of course, you can't walk away from there without having that seep into your skin and <laughs> really um, understand it. Um, and, you know, I, San Diego's, I love San Diego so much. It's my home now. And I've been here um, since 2007, so quite a while. And really just kind of said yes to opportunities. I wasn't saying I'm going to be a you know, this is chief sustainability officer of the city of San Diego or the chief operating officer of uh, San Diego Community Power, I was thinking, where can I get in and solve some problems and do some good? Um, and that led me to just saying yes to opportunities. And, and that's kind of how I work, where I ended up where I am. Very cool. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes when we think about like climate change, it seems such like it seems so broad and like insurmountable, but you mentioned those problems, you know, that you're attracted to, like in your career so far, what have been themes, you know, what are the questions that you're trying to, the questions or the issues you're trying to solve? Yeah, so around sustainability and climate change, so my first entree into that in San Diego was I worked for the Port of San Diego. Um, and I remember telling my grandpa at the time, you know, he followed my career and he had very different opinions ideologically, but he's, I think, really proud of me too. And he was like, so do you like, do you work at the lighthouse? What do you do there? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Don't know what the port does or who they are here. And, um, but they have a tremendous impact on environmental issues uh, around San Diego Bay and unifying five different cities on, on issues. And um, I took a job there in I think 2008 and they had just started thinking about these green concepts and, you know, wanted to kind of talk about being a green port and really just, said, hey, whatever you want to try to figure out, go ahead and gave me some freedom. And I said, that sounds like a fun challenge and um, really worked to um, figure out what issues they were tackling and, or at least facing and how I could go about tackling them. And because I, I like to, I really just want to make progress. I want to do the right thing. I want to I like to tackle things that solve problems. And, you know, for example, they were dealing with clean air issues, right? They're a port and they're adjacent to Barrio Logan, which uh, suffered a lot of the impacts of um, poor air quality. And I, I liked to see how I could do good for that community and others, um, but also recognizing the needs of the port and the needs of the economy and really kind of blending all that together and thinking there's gotta be a solution in here somewhere that that can be, you know, win-win for all of those parties. And that's that's my sweet spot. You mentioned your grandfather and having, uh, you know, different views. I know that I definitely had different political views from my grandfather, but, you know, you've really thrown your life into climate change. And I know that there are still people out there that have, you know, different opinions about it. How do you approach those conversations, you know, with um, anybody, but especially with loved ones? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, unfortunately, my grandfather's no longer with us, but we had a lot of conversations and he was a, he was a good test for me all the time. Um, and I really, you know, I think about, um, you kind of know your audience, right? If, if I'm talking to my grandfather or anybody that I know is not motivated by climate change and um, or doesn't think that's part of their daily concerns, they have other more pressing concerns or beliefs, um, really finding that common ground. So climate change covers such a broad area. You know, you could talk about transportation, you could talk about energy efficiency, there's cost savings in all of those areas. And um, so really finding that frame that works for the people that, you know, I think it's a, it's a bit of empathy, understanding where somebody else is coming from and then approaching them on that level. If they care about saving money, lead with that. If they care about future generations and their kids, lead with that. If they care about clean air, you know, you don't have to lead with 
beating them over the head with science about climate change because maybe it's not necessarily to the to the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Um, I wanted to take ask your opinion on the recent UN report that came out a few weeks ago now that said uh, we're in a lot of trouble, but there is sort of a silver lining. What were your takeaways or what was your response? Uh, it, you're talking about the IPCC report. Um, it's <clears throat> they release those every se you know several years, um, and it's it, it was to me it was more of the same. I had already dug into all that science and um, have seen that we we have a lot of work to do and things are changing and they're gonna affect us, they're already affecting us. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference is every time those types of big uh, reports come out, you know, even 10 years ago, it was saying, these things are going to affect us, sea levels are going to rise. And now we're saying, oh, sea levels are rising, they've risen, you know, or storms are going to get worse. And now we say, oh, they have gotten worse. So we are seeing hotter temperatures and more people suffering from heat waves. and more people dying from, you know, not having air conditioning and, and having poor health and not having somewhere to go to cool off. So <clears throat> to me, that's the biggest um, alarm coming out of those is it's happening now. And um, how do we address those issues and, and really make life better for people that are here? Yeah, it, it seems like such a challenge to me because, um, and I'm guilty of this, you know, you pay attention when the report comes out and it's in the news cycle and you, you try to make uh, good choices in your personal life on a daily basis, but it also it does, it, it feels like a lot and it feels like me, like it, it may be just sort of impossible to solve. And so like how, what, what advice do you have? You know, how do, how do we get people to keep this front of mind and do the right things and make those changes uh, we need to make that you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, God, there's so many ways to approach that. Um, <clears throat> a little bit of it is, you know, not making it all about personal responsibility, I think. You know, it's not up to you, Christy, to solve climate change by recycling and changing your light bulbs and driving an electric vehicle or whatever else you can do. Those are amazing things that you can do. And the more that you do them, it kind of creates this norm of then your friends and whoever you influence. It's like, okay, I gosh, I can't go to, I can't be around Christy and not recycle. She'll, you know, she'll make fun of me, whatever. That's good, but that's not going to solve the issues. And that's kind of why I do what I do, because I think these big kind of societal issues that we have, and you can pick a topic, the, the real solutions and change are going to come from infrastructure and policy changes that just make it easier for you to do the right thing and not make it a burden on every individual to have to do it themselves. Well, that makes me feel a lot better. Uh, I'll still try to, you know, peer pressure my friends to do the right thing. Yeah. But I mean, please, please continue to do the right thing. <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess the maybe the final thought on that too is, and this isn't for everybody, but folks that get involved and really, you know, contribute to nonprofits that are aligned with some some issue that they support or or do the work themselves if, if they can. Those are the folks that are really, you know, putting pressure on the governments who can do the actual changing the policy making and whatnot. And, and that's the system that works. So, so speaking of policy, I mean, what are the big ones in San Diego uh, that we, we're working on and that we need to work on? Oh, there's so many, you know, and even if I just, with climate change and sustainability topics, and that's so broad, you know, sustainability and climate change cover everything from transportation issues to housing issues, uh, to workforce, uh, and equity, you know, lifting more people up and bringing them into the economy that's that's working for them. Um, and, and I would say all of those are really big issues for us. Of course, now 
I'm focused on clean energy issues, far region, and um, really that's, you know, if you look at our collective carbon footprint, you know, half of it comes from energy use. And so finding ways to tackle that at a policy and structural level um, is, you know, the, the area that I'm most excited about now and what I'm focusing on. Well, that's a perfect segue into the news that happened uh, yesterday at the time of this recording, although this interview will come out next week. Um, the, the San Diego County Board of Supervisors voted three to two to go with San Diego Community Power uh, as a CCA choice. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Or actually, to begin with, can you explain <laughs> what a CCA is? <laughs> good, good question. Um, uh, so Community Choice Energy or Community Choice Aggregation, is, you hear those acronyms, and they're both terrible, wonky acronyms. <laughs> what it really means is uh, allowing local governments to take over the procurement of electricity for their the families and the businesses in their jurisdictions. So currently, you have an investor-owned utility. Um, for us, it's SDG&E, handling both the procurement of power for you uh, electricity and natural gas, and also the transmission and delivery of that power. Um, so you, it's, a, it's a regulated monopoly structure where you don't have a choice. You just take power from them and, and, and you get what you get. Um, and so state law uh, was enacted in the, back in 2002 that said, you know, we want to give consumers choice and competition in this, at least in the electricity procurement space. And Typically, when there's competition, you know, consumers tend to benefit from that. So that allows local governments to take over and say, we're going to take over electricity procurement for our residents and businesses and, and families um, and make decisions about the type of electricity they get, how renewable it is, how clean it is, what the cost of it is. And then that also, because we are a public agency, now you have a chance to come and talk to us and tell us what you think and what you want and what you demand. And, and if we don't provide you the service that you're looking for, you know, our board is made up of elected officials who lose their, their office if, if they're not responsive. So it creates a much more accountable um, system to electricity. How soon will this go into effect? And I, I mean, how will the average resident notice this change? Yeah, so typically, there's a statistic out there that says people think about their energy bill about eight minutes a year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the problem, most people won't even notice, unfortunately, um, that we're here and that we're serving them. Um, we still partner with sdg &E, so you still just get one bill and you just have a new line item on your bill and hopefully it's a little bit lower than it used to be, but even if it's not, you're getting a lot greener power from us. Um, so, you know, we're working really closely right now. We've started serving um, businesses and commercial industrial businesses so far, and we're working really closely with them to make sure that they understand because they tend to watch their bills a little bit more closely. It's a, it's a much bigger overhead cost for them. Um, they have sometimes staff that can actually think about energy. And so we're making sure they know and they understand the benefits. You know, we're competitively priced, but we're also 50% renewable. Um, which is which is higher than SDG, &E. um, and we are um, offering a 100% renewable product. We call it, which you could just opt up with a little click of a button, um, and that saves you the time and effort of if you wanted to do that, installing solar panels or batteries or those capital costs. You could just have us do that for you and deliver it to you, um, and it's just a few. Um, two or three percent more than your your base bill for that 
same service, you know, and um, so we're, most people don't notice <laughs> and <laughs> it's just, they, they see a new line item if they look at their bill and um, we try to tell folks that we're cleaner and that we're bringing value to them. And I think what they will notice is um, when we start delivering community programs. So we'll look at ways to serve the community on, you know, whether they want uh, more energy efficiency programs or community solar options. Um, we really wanna work really closely with the community and, and invest in those types of services that they're looking for. So it's 50% renewable energy sources now. Um, I know the goal is to get to 100, but where is the power coming from now? And you know, how do we get to 100? Yeah, so we have signed a couple contracts already um, for new build renewable power. These are kind of big solar um, systems with batteries attached to two of them, um, which is the, the new, the wave of the future, right? If, if we're not capturing all of that renewable power um, and storing it for when, when there's less, on, less available, um, then we're kind of wasting some of it. So we're trying to install as much battery storage as we can for that power and discharging that when, um, when the sun's not shining, frankly. Um, and so that so the power is coming from you know local locally as we can get it. We have some in um, San Diego County, we have some in Imperial County, and one in Riverside County, one project. Um, there's a lot of renewable being developed in the state of California, and so far we're we're trying to stick pretty close to home, and that's what we've heard from our stakeholders and our board. Um, and but also diversify as much as we can to just make sure we have reliable power and um, and we're really looking. We have it actually a, a solicitation out right now to look for more renewable power that's as local as possible and and work with the development community in the renewable space to see what else we can get. Uh, will customers see savings at any point? So right now our customers are seeing about a one percent savings, um, but we only serve the generation side of their bill. So if you look at your total bill, uh, SDG rates have gone up over time and just over the last year they've gone up pretty significantly. So while we're saying, oh, we're offering you 1% savings on a portion of your bill, but this other portion that we don't control has gone up quite a bit in total, they're not gonna see a huge reduction. Um, so we are, you know, while we are 1% cheaper, we like to just say competitive, because it's easier to, to explain. Um, we're, we're providing a higher value and a higher customer service and customer program. Um, and that's the value that we've tried to provide to people, you know, and the mission that we're focused on is, really increasing renewables, doing better for our region um, and being really transparent and open about what we're doing and our decisions that we're making, which is very different from the current model uh, that most people experience. And the, the beauty of all of this is if you don't like it, if you're like, hey, not for me, not into this, you know, <laughs> this thing you're working on, people now have a choice, they can opt out. Um, in, in June, Western Community Energy in Riverside filed for bankruptcy, and I've seen this pointed to by a lot of critics as like, ha, see, this can't work. How do you respond to that? Um, yeah, so there's there was about 24 operating community choice programs in the state of California, so now there's 23 operating. Um, there's three investor-owned utilities, and one of the three has also gone bankrupt. So um, that's usually the first thing I say is, you know, um, it's... It's not ideal, and I think they had a perfect storm of, of um, mistakes made and, and maybe um, risks that weren't mitigated. And we've looked really closely at that to see what they did and, and um, making sure that you know, we're mitigating all of our risks to the best that we can. And, and you know, operationally, we're being really careful and diligent and hiring professional staff who know what they're doing. And um, so we're, we're not 
at all fearful that we're even anywhere close to to where they were but it was a good it was a good lesson learned to see you know what happened there and and how to avoid those mistakes and so community choice energy uh, you know takes care of the the one part of the overall energy picture which you you explained as buying the energy i mean could that change or grow in the future? I mean, do you see a scenario in San Diego where, you know, the grid is being managed differently or other aspects of the, the big picture? Yeah, gosh, there's, there's so much possibility for the world of energy and, and, and electricity. Um, I think the biggest challenge and hurdle to all of that, and I could talk about some of the, maybe the opportunities, but the challenge is really, are people being open to changing the structure? The regulatory structure on energy is insanely complex. Um, and frankly, uh, as I mentioned earlier, most people just don't engage in this topic because it, it's, it's complex that until now, or at least here, there wasn't any competition. So you weren't, you know, you weren't engaged in those decisions. Um, and if, if you as a citizen want to go to San Francisco and try to weigh in in the Public Utilities Commission <laughs> meetings, I mean, good luck with that. You know, you need a lawyer pretty much to even submit a comment. Um, so I think we're trying to shine light on the whole structure and system. and. Um, our entire economy runs on electricity. So it's, it's a hugely important space that has been really closed off and kind of closed door for over a hundred years. And so we're trying to kind of break into that and, and say there's a whole world of opportunity. Technology is advancing. People are turning on their lights from their cell phones now are using their you know, Alexa to do so. And so people are more educated and, and want to take more control over those decisions. And um, I think that's some of the biggest opportunity. And, and then once we kind of crack that open, there's a world of possibilities for um, more distributed type of power where you can generate and store power very locally rather than you know, um, leaving it up to the investor and utilities to transmit it from far away. And you know, we're just shifting that a little bit more and, and providing community solar. So folks that don't have either own their homes or have enough money to build their own solar panels can still have access to renewable power locally in their community. You know, there's opportunities for schools to build solar panels and then share that power with their neighborhood when they're not in session and not using power. There's so many cool opportunities that you just have to have people willing to kind of change the rules a little bit and allow those things to happen. That is really cool. Thank you for explaining some of that to me. I mean, like you said, it's important, but it's like it's heavy and it's hard to understand a lot of the time when you don't have expertise in this area. Right. And that's, that's structured that way sometimes, you know, it's like, um, don't worry, we got it. Don't look over here. Yeah. We'll mm -hmm. Done on purpose. Um, OK, well, so let's talk. So I have a lightning round for you, and it's just a series of quick questions to get to know you better. And my first one, I love asking people from San Diego this, but what is your best day ever in San Diego? Oh, wow. Okay. Best day ever in San Diego is maybe a day for me in the summer when I can go to the beach and go for a long swim. Um, and the water's, you know, maybe August, September, and the water's warm and you don't need a wetsuit. Um, and then we have. 8 million delicious places to eat in San Diego. So having a really fantastic um, lunch in you know, maybe one of the new neighborhoods that I don't always go to. Um, and yeah, just being outside. I'm, you know, I'm definitely, you know, ha having a, a craft beer possibly outside somewhere <laughs> in, the, in the evening. And <laughs> um, that's the perfect day for me in San Diego. Just, just enjoying all the different neighborhood spots and the beach 
and in the winter maybe going for a hike um just there's so much to do here and, and appreciate i would agree that's the perfect day <laughs> um, what are some of your hobbies uh let's see like <laughs> COVID has definitely changed some of my hobbies um but um i love to cook and bake so i do a lot of that um I definitely like to do a lot of outdoor stuff and I got a, I got a COVID puppy like many other people. So <laughs> nice. my outdoor activities have modified to include uh, dogs. Uh, so lots of hiking, um, lots of bike rides around town. Um, and I read a lot. I do yoga a lot. Um, I like to swim. Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm like very, I'm very a typical San Diegan. <laughs> Love it. What? Uh, tell me more about your puppy. What kind of dog and what's his or her name? His name is Fredo and he's um, a, a mutt. You know, he's from a, a Tijuana rescue and he's just a, a high alert, fun, fun dog, high energy dog. So forces me out <laughs> outside a lot. We walk like it's our job. You know? <laughs> awesome. That's motivation we all need. Um, what, what were your favorite toys when you were growing up? What kind of kid were you? <laughs> Um, I, I was pretty diverse as a kid. I liked a lot of different toys. I, I had everything from dolls, um, to every Christmas. I had a pretty big family, a lot of siblings and every Christmas we'd get a new sports set. So every Christmas we'd either get tennis rackets or basketball or baseball gloves. And then that entire year was spent with us using that equipment all year and, and had enough siblings that we almost had our own team on every, every sport we had. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, a lot of outdoor, um, a lot of camping with my family. We didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of fancy trips. So my parents couldn't afford that, but a lot of uh, summer camping and water skiing. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, read a lot then too, you know, yeah. pretty, pretty good student and I uh, just had fun with my family and my siblings and, and was outside all the time. I ride my bike around my neighborhood and show up when the, when it got dark at home. <laughs> yep. When the streetlights came on, used to yep. be the rule. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, what is your goal just for yourself? Like you can, you know, you've lived a good life if you've done what? You know, that's a good one. Um, for me, it's more about people. I, I think people expect me to say, oh, and I would tackle climate change. And I, you know, I, I really think about the earth and the future of the earth, but I, I care about the people. And, you know, I think every day about who, who am I working with? Who am I trying to make happy today? And who do I care about? And, um, and so I'll know I lived a good life if people say she, she was a good friend or partner or sister or aunt or whatever. And, um, and she taught me something and, and we had a great time and she brought me to do fun things or always did fun things with me. And that would make me happy. Yeah. I love that. That's, it's so important, you know, like the work we do, I think it defines so much of our like public facing identity, but of course that, you know, is so important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that concludes the lightning round. Um, I have just a few more questions for you. Uh, the first one, this is kind of a lightning round question too, but like, what is the most fascinating thing that you work on on a day-to-day -day basis that you're just like, yes, I get to work on this and you're super excited and intrigued about it. And what's the most boring thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the most fascinating thing um, is, gosh, there's so many fascinating things in, in energy that people don't think about. Um, so we do, we procure electricity and I'm learning a ton about that. Um, we've hired a pretty fantastic uh, team <laughs> to do that. So 
um, I just get to participate, you know, on thinking through ideas or, or, or problems or how to, how to negotiate a deal or, or what type of power are we looking for? And because I'm learning so much, that really fulfills me to be able to be absorbing new information and applying a lot of skills that I have to a new area uh, is, is great for me. Um, we also are doing a lot of regulatory work, which sounds incredibly boring and I won't even try to go further because I'll, you'll just lose everybody, but <laughs> digging into the rules and decisions being made by, um, you know, a commission up in San Francisco and how we can influence those decisions to really do better for San Diegans. I, I love that, you know, I love digging in and rolling my sleeves to that. Um, the most boring thing, you know, we're, we're a startup, so we're just building and so every day we're like, thinking about these huge multi-million dollar power decisions or these huge regulatory and legislative impacts. And then the next minute I'm thinking, do we have a policy around buying office furniture? <laughs> <laughs> and even though it sounds really boring and mostly that kind of is, um, I love the startup and entrepreneurial space where you're just building something and you're getting to recruit talent and, and um, bring on just fun, passionate people who are just committed to what you're doing. And even if that means you have to think about buying office furniture, <laughs> um, it's, it's still overall <laughs> fulfilling. Yeah. I love the highs and lows. Um, <laughs> well, I, you know, I think when I hear the word startup, at least I think of tech, I guess what you're doing is tech. Do you, are you a part of the tech community here? Is San Diego community power, uh, you know, a part of that? I'm not, not um, in the traditional thinking of tech, um, but there is a, I guess, a clean tech community that's really focused on clean energy and energy and water technology and those types of things. And, and I would say we are definitely part of that space. If there was one thing, we talked a little bit about personal responsibility, what you can do, you know, pushing legislators uh, to, to make better policies, but like, if you could get every San Diegan to do one thing to benefit our climate, what would it be? Vote. Everybody should vote all the time, every election, every chance they get. I think that's the biggest thing anybody can do. Um, and then from there, uh, if you're motivated, you know, volunteering with a nonprofit, working at a nonprofit, donating to a nonprofit that aligns with what you believe in and should be happening with climate change, um, or come join, come join the workforce. You know, there's so many ways to work in sustainable and climate change. And if you think you're not suited for it. There's everything from marketing and communications to engineering to policy, you know, finance. It takes all, all of those skills. So there's a whole lot of ways to get involved, but the starting with voting. Yeah, that's so fascinating that it all comes down to politics and it totally makes sense. But uh, just one last question. I mean, do you think on on average, uh, our, our politicians, our, our lawmakers are well informed on this issue. You know, we're talking about how average citizens, maybe not so much all the time because it can get wonky. Um, and it's just been something we haven't had to think about for a long time. But how would you how would you grade our leaders? Yeah, I think our leaders are pretty well informed. Um, there's been some research done, at least even in San Diego, that shows most elected officials here are aware of climate change. They understand the impacts. A lot of them want to take action. I think if anything is holding people back, it's they're worried about what their fellow elected officials think or are willing to do to support them. So they might be out on, on a limb. Um, and they're worried about what their constituents think. If they're if this is not a high priority for their constituents, even if they believe it's important, 
they're going to try to strike that balance. Um, but if you think about what people think about, and generally people who have maybe multiple jobs, not a lot of extra money, kids at home, you know, all those day-to-day -day issues, even if they're not thinking about climate change, they're thinking about how to save money on their energy bills or what the future will look like for their kids or when it's really hot out, how are they going to find a space for their elderly parent to not overheat, um, those types of things. So even if you don't call it climate change, people care about all these issues. And I think our electeds know that. Thank you for listening to Name Drop San Diego. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend and make sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Christy Totten, and we'll be back next week.